is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome one and all to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. How are you? Don, welcome back. How did the solo show go? Thank you so much for filling in for me. Well, they didn't shut it down. We can still do it today, so I guess, that is it, went, something. I guess it went okay. That um, is something. But I appreciate everybody's uh, interaction and reaction to it. Seems like people enjoyed it, and if people didn't enjoy it, that's okay, too. We have Don back, so that's good. But, um, yeah, we appreciated the tweets. We had uh, a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, to, to get to talk hockey, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and then we, we got had lots... a beautiful NHL store show right after that. That was fantastic. Anybody who may have gone there from listening to this podcast or the K-Show, thank you for that. For the starter collection, that was great. It was awesome. So, uh, the only thing missing was you. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. So, last night, very interesting. So, I'm, sure. I'm scrolling through the out-of-town scoreboard as I'm flipping around the games. And I didn't get to see much of the Penguins and the Lightning. So, I'm flipping around, looking at the goal scorers. Oh, looking at uh, Sidney Crosby is 14th. O'Connor got his second. Oh, Carter for Jari. What? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then That's right. Christian Jari with Beautiful. his first. Beautiful shot, too. Yeah, you know what? It's 14th goaltender to score a goal. Now, I saw that stat. I, di- I didn't dig deeper because the um, previous to Ron Hextall scoring, uh, the Billy Smith was credited with a goal, but he was credited with a goal because he was the last to touch it. So I don't know if 14 is the number of credited goals to a goaltender or 14 that actually physically put it into the empty net. So I started going over in my head, okay, Brodeur, Hextall. So the, it is 14 because there's been 17 goalie goals. Right. Brodeur's got three. All right, so there's Hextall been 17 goalie goals. Yes. So it's 14 because Hextall had... Um, had uh, Hextall had two. Had two. Brodeur had was credited with two, but scored one into the empty net. He has uh, three on this. I well listen. Wikipedia is a great source. Sauce Gardner from Yonkers. But, but, but uh, Brodeur with three. It says Brodeur in the '97 playoffs. That was against Canadians. I was at that game. And then '99, 2000, own goal. Yeah, that was that was a goal. That Damon Langkow. It was a game against the Lightning. Now, the Lightning, I don't see. I see Devils, Hurricanes, own goal, Jordan Stahl in 2012. So he's been credited with two that were own goals. Okay. Yeah. So those of what own goals mean is that uh, it was put in by the the other team, but he was the last to touch it. So he gets credit for the goal. Um, So I forgot Linus Olmark did it in 2022. Yeah, Omar. Yeah, Allmark did it last year. Yep. Osgood did it. Jose Theodore did it. Yep. Um, you know, as, you know, Jari Brodeur. Pecorine has one. Mike Smith. Everybody remembers that. Yeah, good one. So it does, and, and, and I'm telling you, Igor Shosturkin will do it. Oh yeah, I think a couple so. of reasons why he's a great stick handler, and he wants to do it because there has to be a want to. Um, uh, being at the Devil Playoff game, which is interesting, because um, I believe. Well, definitely one of Hextall's was in the playoffs, if not both. I think definitely one of them was in the playoffs. And then Brodeur's was in the playoffs in 97 against the Canadians. Yeah, and I was one there in the playoffs for Hextall. At the Meadowlands. And it was just unbelievable. But he was another one. Great stick handler. Wanted to do it. And it's really hard to do. But these guys are such better stick handlers than they were you know, 20, 30 years ago. Hextall and Brodeur were the standouts that were great stick handlers. These guys are all 
competent, athletic, and, and they, they have the want to. So Shesterkin is going to do it at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, you see the way that he tries and attempts to do it. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming at this point, Don, you've seen the replay. Uh, the puck gets right to Jari, and he kind of just sees the opening, and he shoots it right down, straight down the middle, uh, and gets the goal. And uh, yeah. it, it, seeing his teammates react is very funny. Uh, it's pretty cool. And what's also interesting about it, and again, I don't know, I'd have to go over the history. It, it wasn't 4-2 where you've got some margin for error. You know, that thing gets knocked down at the blue line. You're out of position. Tampa ties the game. He's a villain. So sometimes these guys don't go for it unless they are up multiple goals where they can afford to make the mistake. Like when I'm calling a goal involving Shesterkin, I'm not looking out for it as much when the goaltender's pulled and it's a one-goal lead, but when they do it with two, that's when my eye's out for it because that's when you can kind of do it and not worry about the mistake being made. But, you know, Jari did it with only a one-goal lead, so good for him. Um, Did you see the... um, Hathaway hit on Luke Hughes last night. Yes, I did. Devils flyers. Luke Hughes gets knocked down near the boards, ends up being a boarding penalty, five-minute major. Hathaway gets kicked out of the game. John Tortorella goes ballistic. As he's one to do. Um... <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't think it's a misconduct, and you can make a case not even a penalty. Interesting. Now, my my logic is the 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 whoever's at fault, it's the referees for blowing the whistle late. It's an icing. But they got to play to the whistle. So let me ask you: If there's no icing on that play, is it is it anything? Is it a he he hit him from the side? He didn't leave his feet. Probably he not. didn't hit him high. You're probably now, right. Hughes was awkward, but the whistle blew clearly after the hit. Matter of fact, when I'm watching it, because um, it w- wasn't like I was like fully engaged. What the announcers were saying is that the whistle blew because it looked like Luke Hughes was hurt. The whistle blew because of the icing. But if you watch it, it was way late. So play's continuing. He hits Luke Hughes from the side. It, I thought it was far enough from the boards. Now, now maybe Hughes knew that it was an icing because he saw the official's hand up. I don't know if Hathaway saw that. But if Hathaway didn't see it and there's no whistle, why can't he hit Hughes? So yeah, I, it again I right completely... Now agree with John Tortorella. Now, if you want to say, what are you calling there? Again, do you see him leave his feet? Was he hit from behind? Was he hit high? So what would the penalty be? It's not interference. The puck was right there. He's eligible to be hit to me if there's no whistle. Now, if you can prove to me Hathaway knew there was going to be a whistle and knew that it was an icing, it's a different story. But I don't know that he knows it's going to be an icing if there's no whistle. Yeah, I mean, you take a look, and, and, you know, people made the argument that, as you said, the whistle should have been blown, but it wasn't. It's pretty bang-bang play. Um, but obviously the reaction after. Sometimes, Don, do you feel like, and I know that they're not supposed to do that, but it feels like sometimes when you see the reaction from players or you see the hit and, and what it causes, that kind of leads to this type of stuff. It leads yeah. to it leads to majors. It leads to game misconducts. And, yes, the refs know they wanted to blow the whistle, but they didn't blow the whistle. So that's no, there's the, you know, the whole goal stuff with intent to blow the whistle. The fact is, you're taught to play until the whistle. Now, the, the, for people that you know, may be new to hockey, you usually know an icing's coming because the linesman will have his arm up. There's going to be an icing. and the, and But you don't know, you know, uh, uh, that there's going to be an icing. You, you just, you don't, and sometimes there's not even like an arm up like a penalty. It's just that you'll see the linesman race towards the puck and it's kind of an assumption 
So there's usually, I take it back, there usually isn't any kind of indication from the linesman until he decides it's an icing. Now the puck, if I'm because I don't have it in front of me, I remember seeing it earlier. Well, they'll have the, they'll have their arm up, but you're not going to see that if you're going but, for but the puck. But the puck is like bounced off the board. Like it was, it was way past the dots. This is not the old time icing where you had to wait to pass the goal line, um, or, or where you had to be past the goal line. They're already down there. Have whistle you should have blown take, well, have way you early. It's taking them a little bit longer to blow the whistle now. Well, I feel like once they got to that, red, I think it's the red dot, right? Once yeah, the player well, gets to the red dot, if they beat the other player there, it should be blown. In that case, then yes, the refs did screw up. That being said, though, you screwed up, and then Hathaway hits him because he doesn't hear anything or or see anybody slowing down. But again, if it's not gone at Hathaway, does that do you get a penalty there? And is there a penalty if Luke Hughes springs right back up and there's no issue? But he left to go to the dressing room. Now, they reviewed it. So they other eyeballs got a chance to see this. So I guess they looked at the the, the hit being illegal, not late. Again, I, I, I didn't see major. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see there being a major. And I don't know what the penalty would have been otherwise. Is it a board? Is he, is he, is it a board? Is he up against the boards? Was he hit from behind? I, I don't really know um, what was illegal about the hit other than you felt it was late after an icing call, but that gets dispelled by how late the whistle was. So, good win for the Devils. Hughes comes back, scores the game-winning goal, assisted by his brother. Uh, but that was a good game for the Flyers. But, you know, the, the fact that they were able to fight back, earn a point. But come on, Anthony, 47 shots on goal. I mean, the Devils are just, this is no way to live. Well, what happened to their defense is my question, because not much has changed for this team, and if anything, you would think they've probably improved. If you want to tell me Graves and Severson are that big of a, of a difference? I mean, they're coached well defensively. Lindy Ruff, that was his job when he was the coach of the Rangers. He's a former defenseman. Yeah, I mean, but if I, anything, weren't they the weren't in my mind? Wouldn't you view them more? I mean, Graves maybe not, but Severson was kind of a liability down the stretch in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I really now Graves, I think, was a tough loss for and them. And Luke Hughes is an upgrade as far as I'm concerned. But Luke Hughes is rounding into um, you know really a pretty solid two way defense. I'm a little I'm a little um, taken aback by that. Um, Red Wings. Uh, I thought they had a spirited effort against the Rangers. They beat the Blackhawks. You got to beat the Blackhawks, right? I mean, that's just especially in the state that they're in. We're not even going to get into. That. I don't know how much you did on Corey Perry on Wednesday. Quite a I bit, actually. I, what's that? I Good. did quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, so, but, I, we 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 <laughs> we we me and the, the collective fans, we. Uh, yeah, we all addressed. Uh, we just talked. I talked about the statement. Um, this was, of course, before Corey Perry's statement, where he also backed with. Uh, GM Kyle Davidson said that this does not involve a player or their family. Um, but my argument was that's fine. And of course, you have every right to take your time to say what you want to say in terms of a formal statement. But when you see these rumors spiraling, you don't necessarily have to give everybody all the information. All you have to do is release a statement saying everything that is being reported about this incident is completely false. And we will give a statement at a later date. There was a six day window between when Corey Perry was uh, taken off of the ice as a healthy scratch and Kyle Davidson saying that he's been waived with the uh, with the intent to buy him out. And we still don't know exactly what happened. Do we have the right to is another question, like you've been talking about Don on the K-Show, but we could have dispelled the rumors about, as you and I know, what's been on social media a lot earlier than six days after.
Yeah, this was just a, just a tough time for the Blackhawks right now. So good win for the Red Wings. And, and our heart goes out to Dylan Larkin, lost a, a child. Yeah, that's um, an awful story. Just an awful, awful story there. So, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. So he's going to be away from the team uh, for a little while. No, no word on how long he'll be out, but uh, uh, definitely not with the team for the foreseeable future. Bruins do what they have to do. They beat the Sharks 3-0, and the Devils are going to have to try to do the same thing tonight as they're trying to get their uh, get a three-game winning streak there. A great game between the, the Leafs and the Kraken. That's another team that's got to clean it up. I mean, the Krakens have no business throwing 40 shots on goal against anybody. No, but, especially um, the way they're playing. But you, you, you start talking about, like, players that sometimes get forgotten in the landscape in Toronto. Do not forget Mitch Marner. Hell of a player. Hat trick there. Uh, four goals on 28 shots for the Leafs in their win in the shootout over the Kraken. I think he's their second best player. I think you're right. Over Nylander, in my opinion. But, um, I mean, he Ooh, just... Right he, over Matthews, I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, you saw what he... EJ retweeted the uh, his footwork on one of those goals. Um, just the way he skates, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's a great talent. Uh, Islanders get a much-needed win in overtime. Barzell gets the game winner. But again, Anthony, the third period becomes a problem. Islanders go into the third with a 3-2 lead. Drury ties it 39 seconds in. Um, Palmieri gives him a lead back on the power play, only to cough it up with three seconds to go in regulation on the Ajo goal. So problems continue with the Islanders. Yes, they get a win, but they allowed 43 shots on goal. They only generated 16 shots. Again, outscored in the third period. It's kind of the same old, same old for the Islanders right now. And that was a good win for a Carolina team that... uh, that uh, needs to get straightened out as well. Yeah, and, and I talked about it on Wednesday. It was a bad loss against the Devils, uh, giving up that lead, that two-goal lead they had in the third, and you looked, it looked like it was going to go that way again for them. It is nice to get that win, uh, to pick up that win for them. But yeah, just a team that uh, we've talked about a lot with this Highlander team that necessarily hasn't. I mean, look, Barzell has seven goals. Uh, I'm sure that they would have expected more from him. Um, just not clicking on all cylinders, especially on the defensive side, which is shocking from the Trots era. Um, yeah, just uh, not a great loss for the Hurricanes. Good win for the Islanders, but they're going to need a little bit more if they want to get themselves back into this race. Yeah, for sure. And you know, taking a look at some of the, um, the some of the later games, uh, kudos to the Coyotes. Big overtime win over the Avalanche. Coyotes actually have the last wild card in the West. Sneaky, I, sneaky. I don't know how sustainable that is. There's 12 teams in the NHL playing under 500, so... Um, making the playoffs, at least this year on the surface, may not be that much heavy lifting just because there's so many teams that are losing because the league's really top-heavy right now. But you look at the Flames have kind of turned it on. The Oilers of late uh, turned it on. That was a big win against the Winnipeg Jets. They, they had 39 shots on goal. The Jets have been hot. So some of these teams that we weren't you know, that, that thinking about, all those outside-looking-in teams at American Thanksgiving, Oilers, Coyotes, Flames, all starting to, to get something going here. Yeah, like I said, the, the Coyotes, you take a look at their roster. If you're not uh, really, really into hockey, it's a bunch of guys that you may not necessarily know. Now, Nick Bukestad had the OT goal. That's somebody, of course, that people are familiar with. Uh, Nick Schmaltz um, scoring a goal for Arizona last night. But, yeah, I mean, they, they're a fun team. Um, it's nice to see them kind of getting back into relevancy here a little bit. You don't have to look all the way at the bottom of, of the West to find the Coyotes. And that's a good win against the Avalanche team that may or may not be in my top five. Yeah, we're going to have to do that in a little bit. Now, the Capitals beat the Ducks 5-4. Uh, so Washington hanging in there with the three seed 
in the Metropolitan Division. Now, Ovechkin's interesting. He had two assists. He had five shots on goal. He's playing well, Anthony. He's just not scoring. So I wonder how this kind of skews his ability to catch Gretzky. Seemed like a fait accompli to me. And he's playing well, and he's getting a ton of shots on goal, and he's getting assists, and I, I believe last I looked he was a plus player. So he's not playing poorly, and it's but he's just not generating a lot of Was it still five goals I think he's stuck on? So you know we're looking at him being a 35-40 goal scorer, and that he'd be able to get this. I don't think he's going to you know, only score 15 goals this year, but you know if you start if he if he might struggle to get 30. You know, now it could be interesting how long it might take him to catch Gretzky. Yeah, I was kind of always hesitant, Don. Not that I didn't think he could do it. If he continued on the path that he was, of course, he would be able to do it. But he's getting older. This is a Capitals team that's probably going to rebuild at some point here. And if Alex Ovechkin is your only threat to be a goal scorer, how are you? It's not basketball where you could just key on somebody, but. Uh, on the uh, how many how many times are they going to let him get that power play shot? Uh, you know, uh, is there going to be a season where he has an off season? Is he going to be hurt at any point in time as he gets older? And if he doesn't keep up that pace, will he catch Gretzky? Uh, you're right; he's not playing poorly. It's like, oh my God, Alex Ovechkin might not score 40 goals this year. He can end up with 30 and still have a very very good season. But if we're talking about trying to chase 99. That's going to be that's going to get tougher if he doesn't keep up the pace that he's at now because I don't think as he gets older it's going to get any easier. No, it's not. So, you know, it kind of reminds me when um, Derek Jeter got his three thousandth hit, talking to Michael on the Michael Case. I was Michael's at that like, game. Oh, he's going to get four thousand. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, these guys they just all of a sudden age sometimes. You know, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen to. Um, Ovechkin, but it 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 just he might not score forty goals every year. You know there might exactly. be a drop off, and and now he kind of adjusts things. He's thirty eight years old now, so um, I still think he's going to do it. But it might just uh, he needs to go on a little bit of a toot here. But but good win for the Capitals. I don't know if you're ready, Anthony, because this is going to be a very very interesting top five. Don LaGreca's Friday top five. Yeah! Number five. You know, this is going to be the first appearance in the top five for this team. For I like me. it. I like it. I'm going with the Colorado Avalanche. They nice. caught fire 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They've been almost unstoppable at home. They're starting, even though they lost last night in overtime, they still earned a point. They're starting to find a little bit more consistency, better defensively overall as well. I've got Colorado in the top five at number five. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to drop Vancouver down to five. Uh, five and five in their last 10. Um, obviously, their offense speaks for itself. Now with Brock Besser, I think they have four of the top five point scorers in the NHL, but this isn't in a referendum on if these guys played each other right now, where they would end up right now at five and five in their last 10 Colorado, uh, Colorado, Vancouver has slipped a little bit. So I'm going to put them as my number five. Number four, another new addition to the top five. Okay. Your Los Angeles Kings. Nine and oh on the road, Donnie. Nine and oh on the road, seven, two and one in their last 10. They're playing some really uh, – when you win that kind of clip on the road, I mean, listen, they're not great at home, 4-4-3, four, four, and three, but they played very, very well. Kopitar is just having another resurgence season after rediscovering himself uh, last year. 
Um, they they're they're just they're a fun team to watch. I hate those silver helmets. I wish they would ban them. <laughs> Same thing with the gold helmets for the Golden Knights. But I've got your Los Angeles Kings at number four. My number four is going to be Vegas. Uh, four three and three in their last ten. You guys can see where I go in terms of where I put my top five. But I didn't have the heart to maybe drop them out of the top five. I know they haven't played up to their standard as of late, but still have the most points in the National Hockey League. They've played twenty four games, just as many as Vancouver. Uh, but I'm going to put. Vegas Vegas at four. Number three. For all the same reasons, I can't drop them out, but I've got Vegas uh, at three. Now, still in first place, still a great goal differential. Unlike last year, they're winning games at home. Remember, they couldn't win at home last year. They were great on the road, kind of like the Los Angeles Kings this year. But they've actually been slightly better at home than on the road, but still on the road, 7-3-3. Three, and three. So, yeah, but a little disappointed. Basically under 500 in their last 10 yeah. at 4-3-3. Three, and three. So I've dropped Vegas out of the top two. They're at three. I have Colorado at three, Don. I have nice. moved them all the way up. Uh, for everything you just said, 7-2-1. and one, They I know, they lost to Arizona in overtime last night. But 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They now have the fourth most points in the league. They're only behind Vegas and tied with Vancouver and have two more games than Vancouver um, and Vegas. Uh, they're playing a lot better recently. Again, a team that's 15-6-1, how bad have they played all year? Uh, but we've kind of said that they were a little disappointing early on. I think they've kind of found hit their stride a little bit here. I have Colorado at number three. Number two. Yeah, they're starting to lose a little bit, those Boston Bruins. I got them at two. Rangers beat them. Red Wings beat them. Uh, they didn't look good against Columbus the other night. Now they did win against San Jose, but it seems like everybody beats the Sharks. So they're starting to kind of come back down there. It's still only four regulation losses. That's why I still have them at number two. But I can't put them in number one, especially what happened against the Rangers. It was a wide-open game. Uh, they didn't play well, uh, didn't get the goaltending, which they've uh, gotten a tremendous goaltending this year. So a little bit down to earth for Boston. I got them at two. Yeah, I'm in lockstep with you, Don. I feel like we have the same one, too. Uh, I actually was going to put Colorado uh, at two. But I thought to myself, you know what? Boston you know doesn't what? deserve to fall. That yes, exactly. Thank you, Griffin. The uh, Boston doesn't deserve to fall that far. Um, uh, honestly, I know that that game got out of hand late. That Rangers Bruins game was back and forth. I feel like whoever won that game was probably going to be number one based on the way these teams have been playing. Boston five three and two in their last ten. Um, Colorado's on the doorstep, but Boston still stays at number two, which means number one. Yeah, I guess we can do this together because we both are going to have the same team, your New York Rangers. I know you can say, you know, Anthony's a Ranger fan. I work for MSG, but tell me I'm wrong. I mean, this team has played tremendous hockey, plus 18 goal differential, um, equal on the road to home, 7-2-0 at home, 9-2-1 on the road. You saw what they did to the Boston Bruins. Now, they had an awful game against Buffalo, losing 5-1, but that was a 2-1 game with less than six minutes to play. And then it kind of got out of hand from there. Clearly slept, walked through that game. But they've got Adam Fox back. They've survived the Heedle injury. They won with the Kako being out. They'll continue to win there. Doesn't matter who's in goal for them. They win. Power play's been great. Penalty kills getting better now in the top 10. Uh, They're getting production from all four lines, it seems like, almost any given night. And they just 
do well, 5-0 and oh after losses. So I don't know what else you need to ask. I've got the New York Rangers at number one. Yeah, I haven't lost back-to-back games yet this season. Now, granted, if they lost to Detroit, I probably have them much, not, I wouldn't say much lower. They're still in the top five. Of course. But i probably kick them down to maybe three or four. That's how, if they look the same way they did against Buffalo, and for a while there against Detroit, it may have looked that way. They may have been playing good, but they were down in that game, and eventually the breaks went the right. Billy Husso played an amazing game. Uh, Wednesday night. You were there, Don, um, against the Rangers. And then finally, Keandre Miller found the back of the net. And then the resurgence of Jimmy Vesey into a fourth liner that has some scoring pop is is unbelievable. Uh, obviously, he started his career with the Rangers, bounced around a lot. Um, everyone thought he was going to be a maybe second or third line winger. He's now kind of uh, elevated himself, or however you wanted to say it, transformed himself into a third or fourth line winger with some scoring pop. He's on the power play for the Rangers now. Um, you're right. Shesterkin and Quick might be the best tandem in hockey at the moment, just with how bo- both of them are playing. Uh, Rangers at number one, I don't think many people would argue. Who are you taking out? No, but I, you can if you want. Well, you can argue at Don LaGreca or at Anthony Pusick, hashtag game misconduct. Let's close it out with some tweets. Uh, Kako Costanza says, mm. hey guys, loving having Anthony's voice in there too. Great combos. You think Heedle goes back and or comes back, goes back to the wing, or does he play the third line center, meaning the they break up the current fourth line? No. I like, no. Well, first of all, you're going to need a winger. I don't know, because Benino's played well as the um, the center on that third line. Um, with Kako out, I, mean, I guess there's the possibility of shuffling things around. Uh, one thing's for sure, you're not breaking up the second line. No. That's for sure. Uh, but what do you think of that, Andrew? Yeah, no, I, I, mean, we had that, I thought that conversation was going to be the one we had a couple weeks ago where we debated, does Hedl go back to second-line center? Until this, this roster isn't clicking the way that it is, Hedl's got to be the third-line center, and you figure it out from there, or at least on the third line. Um, it provides depth. Cooley has kind of come into his own as more of a checking uh, winger on that third line with a little bit of pop. Um, I do like Benino on that third line, but no, Hedl, I, I'd rather Hedl play center. That's where they're going to need him to be. Uh, if they want him to be a fixture on this team for years to come, they need him at center. Hedo will be the third-line center, and they'll figure it out from there. Adam asked about the Hathaway hit. We kind of covered that. He also says he loves uh, Jack Hughes on the Eli Manning show. I don't know if you saw that at yes. all, Anthony. Yes, Where he was throwing the puck through the uprights. Also playing the role of Peter Rosenberg by making those... Um, Making those guys with O'Hara and Eli Manning sound like old men, like what does cap mean and all that. It was very funny stuff, so you can definitely check show. it out. That's it a is good a good show. show. You should check it out on YouTube. So Sam Diaz says, gentlemen, besides acquiring a top six right winger, what other roster or line changes do you think the Rangers should consider to make their team better? And at this point in time, which goalie gives you more confidence in net? Both are great, but Quick's really killing it. Yeah, but I still have more confidence in Igor. I mean, Igor's the man. Yeah, um, I mean, nothing against Jonathan Quick, but you know, I, I think Quick is a really good backup, and I, I would feel comfortable with him if anything happened to Igor going forward. But no, Igor's the man. I mean, people are talking short term, long term. We did this with Lumquist and Georgiev and Talbot, and it's like, oh, you know, a ten game stretch where I'd rather have Talbot playing the top. No, no, you wouldn't. I mean, yes, at the moment that they're you, you ride the hot goalie, I get all that. But when you're talking long term for this team, Jonathan Quick, I remember if you remember Don in preseason, people wanted Jonathan Quick cut with how poorly he was playing. Uh, in the preseason, so uh, you know, Ranger fans, uh, you know, can can have their moments where they love and hate goalies. Uh, Igor is the guy. Jonathan Quick's playing tremendous, and I hope yeah. it continues. But Igor is the guy I have more confidence in. Now, obviously, the right wing is something they're going to have to address if Kako is going to be out for any significant amount of time. And even with Kako back, that's somewhere they can improve. The other thing that maybe 
you might like to acquire at the deadline is another defenseman. I mean, no offense to Zach Jones or Ben Harper, but you see that Ben Lindgren's, Harper's out long term, Don. You see that? Oh, I didn't see Down that. in Hartford. Yeah, I think he tore oh. his labrum. Yeah, so yeah, so even more so then. I mean, Zach Jones has been fine. He filled in great for for Adam Fox and playing on that third pairing and all. But you see what happened to defenseman Lingren always seems to get hurt because he's just a puck magnet. He's a elbow magnet. It's just you know you get banged up. And if you're going to make a deep run, you're going to need to have guys that are going to play minutes. You saw the amount of minutes when when Adam Fox was out there. The one negative I think about Fox being out, even though they only lost two games while he was out. Um, counting that last one against Buffalo, is that the significant amount of minutes in crunch time you saw Truba have to play and Lingren have to play because you're not going to play Zach Jones 25 minutes. You're just not going to. Um, so I think that acquiring like a veteran seventh defenseman that if you get into any kind of injury trouble and especially in the playoffs that you can rely upon a little bit more at this stage with Jones and as you said with Harper being out, I think that's going to be a must at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, we... we kind of talked about it, Don, and I wish I had you on Wednesday. Somebody asked that same question of which what right wing would you acquire? And at the, I had to give the honest answer of I honestly don't know who would be out there and who's available. Now, you saw that the Flames are kind of ready to get their, their fire sale going because Nikita Zadorov is now a Canuck. Uh, and does that open the door for somebody? But it would have to be, in my opinion, an expiring contract. Uh, a guy that's on a team-friendly deal that they'd have to move. They don't have a lot of cap space. They have some. Um, but, you know, is a Zuccarello reunion possible? Not at the contract that he's at. Does Jesper Faust get moved by Carolina, and would Carolina move him to the Rangers? I doubt it. Um, I don't know if the name right now is out there, and once teams start to fall out of it a little bit, maybe then you could start taking a look at who do they have, who would they trade, who would they move. Um, but I don't know if that name in my mind right now is out there to say, yes, that's the guy you absolutely have to go get. All right. Uh, Yankee and Penguin says, hey guys, do you think that Boston and Florida will be one and two in the Atlantic in either order when the season is over? I, I think I'm comfortable saying that. I, mean, I agree. I think, I think Detroit's played well, and I think the addition of Kane is going to help them, but I, I think you see the way Florida's playing right now, and I, compliment, I, I contemplated having them in my top five the way the Panthers have played as of late. So I, I could totally see, and I, I have no problem with that. I'm not angry with that thought. No, I guess the argument is Toronto sneaks in. I think Toronto will still be the third team in the Atlantic, even if Tampa yes. does get themselves healthy with Vasilevsky coming back. Um, I, I think that they will stay at third. I don't see them leapfrogging either Boston or Florida, no. And Alex says, what's up, guys? I have a question regarding attendance issues. Why do you think a fan base like Winnipeg is going through such an attendance lull? Is this proof that these small market Canadian teams with dedicated fan bases are not suitable for a franchise? Listen, they sold out season tickets when they announced the franchise like in 10 minutes. I mean, the, the, they have support. It's just that the economy, they have been kind of stuck in the mud over the last few years. And I had mentioned this to EJ Anthony uh, earlier in the season when I asked him about the question uh, about the attendance thing is is that they didn't sign Shifley or Hellebuck until basically a week before the season started. Yep, they thought they so, were going to be gone. So everybody thought that they were. it was a fire sale. Line A's gone. Du, uh, Dubois gone. They, they, were get, um, they, they were getting rid of players and it looked like Shifley and Hellebuck were out the door and, the fan, and I really believe tickets are bought in the offseason. Um, not a lot of walk-up. They got off to a bit of a slow start. Shifley and Hullabuck signed late. I think you're going to start the attendance grow if this team continues to play well. 
But you've seen post-COVID some of these smaller market teams like Winnipeg, Buffalo be affected. These are hardworking towns. There's not a lot of millionaires. There's not a lot of corporate um, sponsors that can kind of fill up the building the way they can in New York and Philadelphia, Boston, Detroit. Um, so maybe that speaks to your point about how difficult it is for some of these smaller markets to hold on to franchises. But as long as you know the interest is there, everything should just be fine. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, I mean, I I always have a problem with bringing a team back to a market where they had to leave because they didn't think it was going to work. And that's not a knock on the Winnipeg fans. I think Winnipeg fans are great. You saw those whiteouts the first time they made the playoffs when they were back. That's a passionate fan base, a passionate group of people up in Canada that love hockey. It's great, but you know there was a reason that they left, and you hope that if there are some down years, that it doesn't reach that point again. Um, and that's the problem, as you well. said, down with a small market. Um, but... Look, I, like you said, they, did, you, they didn't know what the team was going to be a week before the season. They're third in the Central right now. I can't imagine that place is going to be half empty come January, February, if they're fighting for like one of the top spots in the West. Well, I got, I, listen, I, I think that you know the reason that Winnipeg and Quebec City left when they did is because there was no salary cap and big market teams were gobbling up all the free agents. Um, we have seen Winnipeg be active, not as active as some of the bigger markets in free agency. It's a tough place. I mean, it's a it, you know Edmonton goes through it too. Um, it's not a big city. It's a cold weather city and all that. But um, I I I think they deserve a franchise and and the fans will be back, especially if they continue to play the way they're playing. And we'll be back. Anthony, we got uh, EJ on Monday. What, what 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 what? Don. Yes. What do you think of the Rangers alternate jersey? I like it. Well, I, I I'll say this. I don't love it. That's I like fine. it. That's fine. The million stripe thing, they I, I'm not on board with that. See, I like that. But I that logo's cool. I, I don't I don't mind. I, it's way better than the Liberty jerseys. That's right. So I like it. Now there that could have been goes a back. fish. There could have been a a logo of a cat. Right. And as long as it wasn't the Liberty, I would have probably been happy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Liberty jerseys either, but I do like the jersey. I like the color scheme. Again, I'm not in love with all the, the million stripes. Does it change your opinion, because I believe I saw this on the Rangers X account, that the reason the stripes are like that is because it's supposed to kind of showcase or make it seem like the outside garden lights when they play. Really? That's I, 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 I have to I have to go look, because I, I could have swore I saw it, and then it disappeared on me. But I think that the... The reason for putting it that way was to mirror the outside garden lights. Well, I mean, I there's always there's always logic to that. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to tell you a little secret. You're good. Um, why why is his first name escaping me? Um, McFarland, the one that made those um, the uh, the the hockey action figures and well, all sports. But I got a bunch of. Um, but I can't. He was a. Uh, he was part owner of the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Um, and we had him on uh, a show I did on ESPN back when there was the ESPN store. And remember when the Oilers had those gear jerseys? Yes. Yes, I do. All right. And I did not like them. Nobody liked no, them. No, I agree. But there was like four gears, and the the, the four gears were supposed to represent, or there were five gears, and the five gears were supposed to represent the five Stanley Cups. And like he gave all of this conversation about how all of these things with the gear represented something about the franchise's history, and that you should like it for that reason. You should like it. And 
then off the air, and I'm, I hope I'm not telling any secrets out of school. He told me like, I, it's I all right, goes, we're all friends here. I made that up. I just said that because I, people were upset about the jersey, so it did. He just, I think this might be made up too. Like, you know, oh, yeah, oh, well, it's supposed to resemble the, yeah, so the lights outside the garden. Yeah. No, it just so here's it, the graphic, Don. If if you if you care, if you care, the set sleeves and socks are made of a unique yarn dye material to ensure premium finish and to emulate the garden's light, streaking traffic, and the hustle of our city. So I guess like when you see on MSG when they do those time lapses. And it looks okay. like things are going 100 miles I, an hour. Again, I don't hate it. I just don't love it. I'm just trying to help you out. But I do like the bringing that logo back. They had it for a year um, when Ferguson was the general manager. He actually took it with him to Winnipeg. Oh, they got the blue uh, shirt subway tile design on the inside of the neck. Mm, that's cool. I like, like where Penn Station but, it has like Penn. That's kind of cool. So that's we have that. So I'm glad we were able to get that out of the way. So check that out. I'm not a huge fan a lot of the third jerseys, but no, I, I saw it and I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. And if it, and if anything that's not the Liberty, then I'm ecstatic about it. But EJ Monday, Anthony, have a great weekend. I'm thrilled to end on that note. Want to get in touch with us at Don LaGreca at, at, at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.